Good morning. 96.5 KLH, Dave and Doreen, along with Marcus, the morning KLH. Let's welcome our Green and Gold Insider, Jason Wildey, to the broadcast, co-host of Wildey and Tausch on ESPN. Jason, good morning, and a question to start. Is it true that even Grandma Jean booed the Packers' offense off the field? <laughs> uh, I can neither confirm nor deny that. I will say this. Uh, we got done with Aaron Rodgers' press conference, and we headed upstairs to our Lambeau Field offices, which are on the second floor, kind of above the media auditorium. And as we were going up the stairs, Matt LaFleur, Matt his wife Bree, his parents, uh, they were all, their, ki- their kids, they were all coming down the stairs. So I don't know where they were coming from okay. uh, upstairs, but they were coming down and uh, you know, Matt had already done his press conference, and, and I really like Matt. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's a stand-up guy, and so I, I just tapped him on the shoulder, and he tapped me back. And then I, I, I got to say, I said hi to Bree, and I thought her hello was more enthusiastic than I was expecting. So I don't think she was probably booing. I don't think the okay. I think the Lafleurs were just happy to have the whole family together, and yeah. the outcome was the outcome. And you know what? Uh, I know it's probably premature to say this but it's been a few games i think his former roommate now head coach of the jets and his brother sort of have matt's number because weren't they on the coaching staff of the 49ers when the niners embarrassed the packers they were uh you know mike was not in quite as uh, significant a role he's their offensive play caller for the jets and then he was just their wide receivers coach look robert Sala is a really good head coach he's got kind of those old Seattle uh, tendencies in terms of his defense, and we remember how good the Legion of Boom is. I don't know about you, but watching the game from the press box on the seventh floor, I was taken aback by how fast the Jets' defense looks and how hard they seem to hit. Yeah, especially and that uh, that dude in the middle. I have never seen a player like him. Is it Williams or something? Ninety Quentin Williams. Oh yeah. my gosh, is he good? Yeah, he's he's good. You might that's the kind of guy you might want to have on your team. <laughs> But they were they they don't look like the Packers defense. Like they're you know, LaFleur has this great phrase that he uses uh about Jordan Love that I use on Sydney all the time and I told him this because I just think it's so good. Indecisive equals ineffective. Mm-hmm. And the Jets just look so much more decisive defensively and as a result they look faster, they hit harder. When I watch the Packers defense against, again, yet another not-so-good offense, right? They just don't look like they either know what they're doing or they're aggressive enough. It's just, they just, they're just not, not good enough, in my opinion. Let's talk about Randall Cobb for a second. I mean, oh, I know it's not a broken ankle. I feel bad for that guy. But, I mean, he just, well, I thought he was in more pain maybe than he was, but maybe his tears were just more of disappointment. Is he going to be able to play? Uh, yes, but not for a while. Um, I, I, uh, I asked Rogers about it because I'm sure as you did, I saw on the TV broadcast that Fox cameras captured him leaving the field in tears, yes. riding shotgun in that, in that cart. Uh, and then I texted Randall later last night too. Like he, he was afraid that it was over. Like he had broken his leg and you know, he's 32, uh, as Matt Hasselbeck told Tausch and I, earlier this year, he's probably not on any other team, even though he's been productive with Rodgers. Without Rodgers, he's probably retired already. 
Uh, and so if he breaks his leg, that's probably season ending and there's a good chance it's career ending for him. So he got very emotional. It turns out that it's probably just a just easy for me to say it's not my ankle, mm. but just a high ankle sprain. And, you know, he could be out four weeks. You can put him on IR. You miss four games. You're able to come back. So uh, I think it was the emotion of thinking, and that's what Aaron said, uh, thinking that maybe his season or more were over. And obviously that, that sounds like it's not going to be the case. So is it, does it seem to you that the rest of the receiving core have built up enough confidence with Aaron Rodgers that they can cover the loss of the security blanket in Randall Cobb? Yeah, no. Mm-mm. <laughs> I agree with that, Jason. I, what about you, yeah, Marcus? Like, yeah. Do you feel like that? No. I think he's he's looking at Romeo Dobbs in, in a more of a security blanket kind of mode. Yeah, I mean, I think he threw the ball a lot to Tunyon. Uh, I think there's a, a comfortability there, obviously, with Lazard, but they're just they're just dysfunctional on offense right now. They just are like and and Rogers gets up there after the game, you know, and and he says we got to simplify things, simplify, mm-hmm. simplify. Um, and and I don't know, you know, I asked him, I asked him what exactly that meant, and he said, let me let me explain it to you, Jay. <laughs> Jay, uh, he called you I, Jay. To which I replied, yeah, please do. That would be great because part of this. If we're being honest, and, and, and this is the question I want to ask Matt LaFleur today, is, all right, if Aaron Rodgers wants things simplified, well, what about simplifying it by just running the offense the way it's called? Right? right. Like, what mm-hmm. about just running what Matt wants you to run? Would that be a simplification? Because what we have heard, and, and I talked to a few people after the game last night that know a hell of a lot more football than I do, that said, you know, this doesn't really look like, the offense as Matt LaFleur and Kyle Shanahan and Mike LaFleur uh, and all these offensive guys that run versions of the same offense, this doesn't look the same. And when you got Aaron Rodgers, that's understandable. But when you have Aaron Rodgers and you have a bunch of receivers that aren't at the same high level of understanding, then maybe when you say simplify, maybe part of that is, all right, let's run the play the way it's designed. And let's see how that works. It still allows him to make plays, but maybe it simplifies things for other people who aren't quite as highbrow level as he is. Should they have taken the bye week after London? <laughs> yeah, you, you know, I, I, if, if I remember, uh, there were some of us, and myself included, and since uh, Robert Sala is keeping receipts, uh, I'll have to let him know that he can take mine as well. Mm-hmm. But when the schedule came out and they chose not to take the bye, uh, the easy joke was, well, they didn't take a bye, but they have the next best thing. They play the Jets. Um, Mm -hmm. Oops. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say this. I I do think they should have taken the bye, and not just for selfish reasons of Paula and the girls and I could have then gone to London and stayed in Europe for a week. (laughs) Um, I, I just think that statistically, historically, so many teams have done it. Now, I understand their reasoning. Matt LaFleur said, look, we had a bye after five games, and then you got 12 more games after the bye. That's a long time. And he admitted that he wasn't expecting to get the bye then when they did, which is December 11th, when there will only be four more games left in the season. So now you've got the long grind leading up to the bye. But, look, the, the, the Saints and the Vikings and the Giants also turned down the bye. You know the difference between those three teams and the Packers? They all mm-hmm. won their game the next yeah. week. Yeah. Anybody talk to uh, Coach Basaccia after the game? 
Uh, not after the game. I got to tell you, he is really, and I'm eager to talk to him on Thursday. Uh, I think I said this to you before you guys left me out in the cold all week last week <laughs> while you guys were on vacation. Sorry. Um, he, he, has, he has become my second favorite older Italian guy. <laughs> I, I just I just love him and and he and I you know I haven't spent a lot of one-on-one time with him but like he seems to really enjoy my questions which there aren't many people that feel that <laughs> way so I really appreciate so, that so what will but, you ask him what will you approach him with what's your what's your first foray into the special teams quagmire yeah so I I think the the angle has to be when you look at what happened in this, because let's be honest, two things that happened in this game were the things that happened in the playoff game that got Maurice Drayton fired, right? right? And, and they are catastrophic plays. Having a field goal block and having a punt block for a touchdown are catastrophic. So my question is, at no point last season when those two things then happened in the playoff game, did I feel like they knew what the hell they were doing on special teams? Like, they always felt discombobulated. I did not feel that way. In fact, I thought that was their most – I thought, in a great irony, that was their most consistent, reliable area of the team. The one-third of the team that wasn't dysfunctional was special teams. So I, I, I'm going to just ask them to explain, you know, how can you guys look like – is this the reality of special teams, Rich, that – you know, it just takes a, a guy missing an assignment or a guy missing his block physically that you could turn from looking like you you got things fixed to looking like you don't know what the heck you're doing. Because he, he appreciates a direct question, and the direct question is, how does a special teams unit that's looked so good through five games have that much of a train wreck in game six? So at what point are we looking at the Packers going into crisis mode then? Oh, Aaron told us it's not crisis mode, Marcus. Uh, we're, they're not wobbly. Not wobbly. Uh, I don't know if they. I don't know if they failed to speak uh, what they needed to speak into uh, manifestation or not. But you know, I, I, I don't understand his reasoning behind saying that last week, and that felt like it put kind of a. I don't. I want to say that they lost because they had a bad vibe around them. I, I'm not going that direction. But you look back to going into London, and Matt Lafleur did a horrible job of hiding his frustration with playing in London. Right? Like you could you could just tell he didn't want to play there. Like he was he was mad. Right. He, he it was an inconvenience. He didn't. He he set a really bad tone of this sucks. I wish we weren't playing in London. Mm. Then they lose to a team that now is. You know, obviously five and one, but I'm still not convinced the Giants are that good. But then you got Rodgers after the game talking about how guys are talking about losing in the locker room, and then he does that whole manifestation thing. Like I just didn't feel like they had a real good vibe all week long, and then obviously they play like they played yesterday and make the mistakes like they did. So um, I- I'm I'm eager to see what their correction is, not just in terms of simplifying the offense or being more aggressive defensively, I didn't think they looked vastly different. They played more man coverage. That's all I really saw defensively. Mm. But I want to see what kind of vibe they have this week. They do not, for the first time all season, I believe, except after the first game, the players don't have off today. So we've got oh. locker room access. Like uh, they, were, they were enjoying their Mondays 
uh, not so much today. They're going to be going to work. That should be interesting. Jason, thank you for the insight, as always. And we'll talk to you a little later in the week. We'll listen. We always do. Read your stuff. Appreciate the time. All right, everybody. Take care. Be good. You too. Jason Wilde, our Green and Gold Insider.